I'm Chris Peters, and welcome to the Consulting Psychic Podcast. This is a podcast designed for marketeers who seek a future in consulting, either as a main gig or as a side gig. I speak to marketeers who made the jump as a consultant full-time, and to those that treat it as a side hustle. We'll dig into their stories about how they got their first clients, their inspiration, managing their time whilst they're still employed, and how they prepare to go alone. Now let's go. Jade, welcome to the Consultant Psychic Podcast. It's lovely to finally get you on. I've been following you for some time. I think I found you on TikTok and started following you on LinkedIn. So I'm seeing all of your content and I've found your journey fascinating. So I want to get you on, ask you some questions. I started in marketing in 2006 in like a bit of a cold calling role. And so that's what I find really interesting talking about today. This idea of back in 2006, if I wanted sales, I made 100 calls a day. And in 2023, if I want sales, I post a whole lot more content. So it's really this shift. So what I'm fascinated in as a B2B marketing consultant is how buyers are changing and evolving. And so my journey really started because I was in a large corporate. I was head of marketing for a big global PLC, one of the biggest companies in the world. And I loved it there, but the traveling was a bit much. And then I moved to a smaller, more regional firm, and it just wasn't the right fit. And after that experience, I was like, okay this next move is going to be really important. And while I was figuring out what to do, a few people had asked me, hey, what should we do for our marketing? And it was like a natural, "Mm, I could actually help you with that. And so I guess I started out as more of like a virtual marketing manager, jack of all trades, I'll do whatever you want, you know, buy six days a month of me and then I sell 40 days. And then it's like, oh, I don't have enough days here. And so then over the last eight years, I've just evolved that offering around what do I want to do? What do I enjoy doing? Which has seen me arrive at a place where my only one offering is strategy calls. I found that I was giving free consulting advice in order to be able to pitch to a client on their B2B marketing strategies. And then when I won the work, I was like, I don't want to do this. I wanted someone else to do that and get it done. And so now I've monetized the consulting part. So I'm like, hey, tell me your challenges. Here's what I would do if I were you. Let me set up the partnerships. Feel free to book in again if you need. And the next step is going to be launching digital products and courses so that I can be a bit more on the passive income side with having children. Really interesting. So casting your mind back six, seven, eight years ago, you're a big corporate company, went to a smaller firm. And I guess at that point, you had an opportunity to, to delve back into the workforce. What was it that deterred you? There was demand from like, you know, people headhunting for me to go back into a large corporate, but I had struggled so much with the like high intensity of corporate and the volume of traveling pre-COVID. Because if you remember before COVID, being in a large global corporate meant traveling all the time. And knowing that I wanted a family, I was like, I can't, there's no way I can yes. be in corporate. And there's no way I can work, take the risk that it won't work in a smaller business who we're on different pages. They want me to be an ideas person and doing stuff, whereas I want to be strategic. Reflecting on my part within that, it's like I should have done a bit of both. You know, I'm not blaming this company for everything, but the point is I didn't see how I could stay doing that. So I thought I'll explore these bits and pieces and and see what I want to do next. I might leave marketing altogether. 
And then I had a dinner with an old boss who's still a family friend. He was like, are you crazy? You are not leaving marketing. Are you kidding me? And he beat some sense into me. Can you remember that first person that reached out? So I started in cold calling in sales in 2006 because I didn't have anything else to do. I was an academic. I was like the school dropout. It was like, you're going nowhere. And I just applied for a job from the newspaper and was in sales. And then one day I kind of walked past the marketing boardroom and was like, what are they doing? Because I I need to be in there. And then this kind of like fire started. And I was like, I need to get in that room. I don't even know what they're talking about. To the point where when I asked the MD, can I be in marketing? He said, what's ROI? And I said, Republic of Ireland. Like that's how much I had no idea what they were talking about. But this something ignited and it wasn't even like, a oh, how do I build my personal brand? It was like, how do I learn about marketing? Where, where do I learn? And so I'm like rocking up at CIM events saying, can I help with entry? I haven't got money to pay to be here. Can I help hand out mm. the biscuits? Like, tell me what to do to be in this room. And so the kind of personal branding journey started before I even knew what I was doing. It was more like, how do I get into marketing? And so then fast forward you know, 12 years of doing that, or is it 14 years? I can't remember. Mm. Of just doing that, I'd ended up the chair of the Chartered Institute of Marketing in Wales because of that consistent, like, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it, and learning and taking courses and getting qualified. And so I think what happened is that people were organically coming Mm -hmm. to me for advice. And so then it's like one day someone said, hey, I heard, you know, that you the chair of the Chartered Institute of Marketing, could you advise me on what we should be doing and who can help? And I used to do coffees like that all the time and be like, yeah, speak to that company, speak to that consultant. And then I was like, I can if you want. And we had a meeting and they said, so what can you do? I said, well, I can do two days a month for this amount. I think it was 300 a day. When I started, I was like, I can do two days for 600, four days for 1200 or six days for 1800. And they were like, oh, can I do the six days, please? I was like, but this is day two of the business. I'm supposed to be struggling to get people. And so then I won another contract with Card- the Cardiff Council to deliver on their social media strategy yeah. and, and posting for, for Cardiff Market, which is a beautiful heritage spot in Cardiff. And so just having those two was just like, this is a business. Oh my gosh. And so it just mm. it just went from there. And I think that points to that power of personal brand. Mm. I, I love the the determination and grit of how you got started. How how did you start to reposition yourself as more of the strategic lead and handing off the more implementational things that you didn't want to do? Was that something that you, you know, you'd done pretty quickly? It's very difficult because the messages deliver clients what they want and satisfy their needs. And actually, it really took me back to that experience within the, the regional business where it didn't work where I'm like, what happened there? They wanted me to do some things and clearly I didn't want to do that. And they had feedback to me that I've always kept with me, which was, Jade, your problem is you only do what you want to do. And I think that's a strength of mine in terms of running my own business. But when you work for someone, you do kind of need to do what they want, even if you're kind of like, I don't think that's the right thing to do. And so there was really a balance there. It was like, I was reflecting, why are all these companies asking me to just do stuff rather than be strategic? Okay, I think when you set up, you've just got to get the money in, haven't you? You can't be like, oh, I don't want to do that. So no. And I was kind of trying to do these like work. This is just completely open and honest here. Like I was trying to do these like brand workshops and they weren't quite right. Like people would say, well, why, why are we talking about our essence? And I'd be like, I don't really know. 
but I knew because I'd been through large branding projects with really big B2B agencies and I was modeling that, but I hadn't necessarily done it a ton of times. And that was showing what I had done, implement strategy and deliver great campaigns and get pipelines moving. And so it was like this weird, like I wanted to be here, but I was here. Like, and so I think what happened was I just learn, you learn, you have lessons. A client maybe doesn't go the way you would want. And so like, if ever I'm on my live webinars and someone says, what about this? I'm like, I don't know the answer to that. And I'm cool with that because it's not my area. And I think in the past, maybe in my twenties, I was more like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. That shift took time. And it's only in the last year that I feel like everything has slotted into place. And I genuinely feel like where I'm at with my business is like perfect for me. I'm excited Mm. for every strategy call. I'm not nervous anymore. Like, ah, do I know this industry? I'm totally in my comfort zone with my model and the process and where I add value and where I don't. And I think that's difficult for marketers because a lot of the time we feel like we need to know everything. Whereas you can have a generalist rough understanding of most and go, hey, if you need that, you need to talk to this person. But overall, like think about these things. That for me was a long process. And I don't think you can get it day one. I think it is learning and having difficult experiences with clients and and grappling with what you want. I have so many questions. (laughs) I want to start with, so I think it's really easy to glorify like people's journey you know I just you know quit a job I've got two oh my gosh two clients out the gate and you know now I'm doing all this amazing work but along the way there have been lots of lots of challenges lots of bumps I'm keen to understand that transition that you had with your own personal growth and development and actually trying to work out like what to provide clients can you elaborate on any particular challenges that you had with with clients what's been interesting with that is that now that my messaging and my marketing is very clear I don't actually attract the wrong fit anymore so I don't believe there's any such thing as like a bad client other than like if they're going to treat you really poorly but what people want my content now detracts those people like they don't want me those type of people now which is good because I don't get the wrong people in the door but the first example was I was doing a virtual marketing manager service for a company and I was like, don't get me wrong. I'm not a person who's like, I'm not doing that. I did everything that we planned. I created a marketing activity plan. It was more like that rather than a strategy. Delivered some campaigns, did all the copy, all the emails, all the socials, all the follow-ups. They were really happy Mm. with that work and they wanted me to keep doing that, keep doing that, keep doing that. And I was starting to learn more. I was like, look, guys, we need to invest in a new site. We need brand positioning. We're not articulating why we're different. You're not getting actual pipeline sales from your marketing. I'm just doing comms, which is important. But I would love to take you to the next level. And this company didn't have the appetite for it. They were lovely to work with and they were great. But they didn't manage to see why that was so important. I was going on maternity leave. And so then once I come back after having my baby, I didn't go back and say, let's carry on with that. It was more like, hey, do you want some help with the stuff I now offer? That's one where it came to a natural end, where it's just different places. It's it's a message that I give to consultants and freelancers is really do some soul searching. How do you want to be spending your time? You know, my time, any time working is away from my kids. That's how I see it. It has to be meaningful and valuable and it can feel a little bit deaverish at times to be like I'm only doing what I want but I'm kind of like but why why is it if there's enough work coming in and there's the confidence to say hey I don't think this is a fit that goes down really well sometimes with some clients I'll say you don't need me you need someone who's going to be more operational at this point don't give me money 
and that's respected. I think that's a very, well, that's a fantastic position to be in where you have that authority and position where you can actually push potential work away or reposition yourself as someone actually that's not quite the right fit. Thinking what you said earlier, so you've now taken a decision to focus on like pure strategic work. Are they engagements typically that last you know, six to nine months, 12 months? And I know every engagement will be slightly different. Or is it something that's more shorter term where it's a six to eight week engagement where you give that overarching strategy? And then... So just in a nutshell, what happens is you book in, you fill in a form, what are your current challenges? What have you tried to overcome this? What in an ideal world would you like your marketing to be doing for your business? Do you have specific questions for Jade? What's your turnover? What's your profitability? What's your average order value? What do you need to achieve in the next year, five years? Do you have a documented strategy? All this stuff to give me background. And then the idea is that in that first hour, I can get as much out of them as possible to be able to, by the end of the last 20 minutes, say, if I was in your business, here are the things I would be focusing on. And it's it's usually always the same stuff because most B2Bs I speak to haven't got basic fundamentals in place, like positioning, good online experience for you know digital buyers, more digital buyers today, brand positioning, good creative, data and CIRM strategy is not covered. So I'm like, these are the things I would recommend. This is what I would do next. I would start to flesh that out. We can look at some objectives. We can get you set up with some partners who, if you want the development of a full strategic marketing plan, I can get that happening and I oversee it. What would happen is I would attend the strategic planning workshops that I'm in there and then they tend to, at that point, buy like a bundle of credits from me. So like they might buy 10 and I'd use four to be in the strategic planning session to make sure that I'm contributing and asking the right questions and challenging and my planning partners are there documenting it all. They go and create the strategy because I don't want to. Like, I'm honest. I'm just being honest here. I don't want to. I don't want to spend months digging into a business and creating strategy. I just want someone to get it done who are actually better than me because they're my mentors. They're the people who trained me in what I do. I just want to get more people looked after. I like to talk. And so what would happen then is they would create that strategic marketing plan, develop the brand positioning. And what I do with those credits is I do like check-ins as if like, how's everything going? How's that going? Right. You aren't sure about the brand story. Okay. Let's get that move. Almost like a call a friend, because I find that if I just let them run off with the partnerships, it can go off and they don't see the value. So it's like bringing everything back, bringing Mm. everything back. And it's not that I'm completely hands-off from strategy stuff. I will help them document what sales do we need to generate, why are we losing customers. But I, I enjoy talking to people. I don't like having actions after a session. And I'm good at facilitating things to happen, multiple things, rather than, okay, I've got a huge project for three weeks and I can't speak to anyone else. So, yeah, it, I think that, again, took a lot of soul-searching as to where, how do I want to be spending my time. Does that answer the question? I've kind of gone off a bit there, I think. No, it does. And it, it, it's reprioritized. Another question I wanted to delve into. So you mentioned a few occasions like partners yeah. or, or mentors and, or an agency. Uh, so I'm associate partner for a, an agency called like Really Helpful Marketing. So, and, and how does that and When I was in a big PLC, we had a project go wrong. One of the marketing managers who works on my team was like, I've got these amazing guys. They work on amazing brands. Can I bring them in? I was like... At this point, yes, we need someone to save us. And they saved us. They turned something around that would have really like left us exposed as a team. 
and they just sorted it out. And then ever since, they've just been brilliant. They're a strategic player. So what happens is I consult a client. I figure I'm like, this is roughly what you need. Let's bring Gareth in. Let's talk about some projects at Offshoot. I'm part of that agency kind of informally. At one point they asked, we were going to set up a Cardiff office with me heading that up. But once COVID hit and my kids, I was like, we were like, we don't need to do that. And I don't want it. And that's what I love so much about Gareth and those guys. He was like, what is it you want, Jade? What do you want? Let's do that. No, you don't want that. Let's not do it. You know, just a brilliant person. And so they're kind of like my family over there, even though I'm not 100% inside the business. So I can say, okay, Gareth, these guys need brand positioning, creative concepts, and you site UX review. They need SEO. I think they might need a couple of other things, but we need to create a strategic plan to figure out how all these parts come together and what the budget needs to be. He quotes for it. I pretty much sell it in the sense of like, look, if you want to do it, this is how it works. They deliver it. And we kind of work together like that. And then they like me to carry on mentoring that client so that I'm close with them. And, but at the same time, I'm like with clients, I'm like, you don't, you know, you find, you go out as a marketer, find your own people. I've got partners if needed, but please build your black book of who you love to work with. So it it just works nicely for me because they're just lovely people to work with. That's the main thing as well. And they do good work. I want to pivot a little bit because, as I said at the start, I've come across you on TikTok. I see you transfer some of that content and repurpose it across LinkedIn more so now. But how have you found TikTok? Yeah, pretty much all my work comes from TikTok. And that can be someone booking in for a £210 consulting call. Like, I get it. That's a low value sale. However, it's led recently having one strategy call and then they're going, okay, we have 400,000 a year to spend on marketing. How should we spend it? Can we spend it with your partners? So it's like, to me, that's like a big deal. That's a big purchase or like, okay, we're a 20 million organization. We need to get to hundred million in three years. What should we be investing and where do we put it? So to me, yes, it's initially a consulting call, but there are increasingly large deals coming in through TikTok. So firstly, with TikTok, what what made you venture into it at the start? You know, I've got a five-year-old and a two-year-old. After I had my five-year-old, I suffered with very bad postnatal depression, anxiety. So I was just like, I'm off. I can't even get through the days. So I think maybe 18 months was just, I'm off. I'm getting better. I'm unwell. It was really tough. And then I had like a year back in the game doing a little bit and it was like COVID times. It's all strange. I was just doing online consulting with my usual clients. And then when I had my second kid, everything was a lot better. I was a lot happier. I was like, this is how it's meant to be. I've had therapy. I'm doing a lot better. And I had, in that time, I had not realized how badly my personal brand would have been affected. So pre-kids, Analytica ranked me number 23 in the UK and US B2B marketing influencers. I was really active. I was well-known. I was speaking at big events. And then you go through this experience and you're, and I don't mean this in an ego sense, but you're no one. I was nobody. I had no interaction online. Twitter had forgotten me. That was it. Instagram, I I wasn't even on Instagram. And so I decided, okay, what can I do? Where, Where is somewhere that's more emerging and more casual? Because I can't do my hair and makeup every two minutes. And when I found TikTok, I'm able to speak on the spot quite fast. 
it just worked for me. One of my highest performing videos was my kids were screaming in the other room over a packet of biscuits. And I grabbed my phone and I just went, hey, when I was a marketing manager back in 2013, here's something I really struggled with and just kind of spoke, 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 spoke. Three minutes post, you know, and it worked for me. What I would say about yeah, TikTok yeah. is it is a very, very difficult platform to crack. And I think that's because it doesn't matter your following. If your video is not interesting, it will not perform. So I had a video the other day that had a third of a million views and went viral. And then literally the next one had 19 likes because the quality wasn't that great. I find with the other platforms, if you have, say I had the same followers on Instagram, like I, I'm not very good on Instagram, but say I had the 22,000 followers that I've got on TikTok over on Instagram, I reckon that most posts I did would typically get a fair amount of engagement because of that following. But TikTok, it's like you're a new person each post. And so you've got to keep bringing it. I think common mistakes I see with TikTok is poor editing. So, you know, I will edit out 0.2 of a second gap between words. Like the start, I would trim it right down. So it's like, here's a few things you need to know if you wanted this. And then if I paused for even 0.3 seconds I, sh I I get rid of it get rid get rid get rid because people's attention span is so low there and I think also the importance of your funnel it's not just TikTok that's getting me this work when they click the link in my bio there's the podcast and then the podcast encourages my monthly free webinar where they can ask me anything and then it's like hey if you need more help you can always book in for coaching and I guess the next strand from that is that I want to move to more passive income, which is these courses. I'm creating a course right now. And so that will then enable me to push the price of the consulting calls up higher because it's like you can get you can get a full course with me and join my office hours for six months. That's the vision. But yeah, TikTok has been for me, I think it's been a personality match. And I and I don't think it's for everybody. Um I think the people who do well on there, it's like they genuinely love it and they've spent a lot of time there figuring it out. I've just got a couple of more questions now. So next steps for Jade, you've got these courses that you're creating. Is it more TikTok? So my vision, as in like, how do I want to see the world when I'm finished with it? I want to see a world, this may never exist, where B2B marketing works in all businesses. It just works and they're serving people's needs online and they just... It's not even up for debate. It's just a thing that just works, you know, like electricity just works. I'd love to see that happen. And my mission is to help marketers be respected and strategic. So I'm thinking, well, how do I achieve that mission? What's the best way? If I'm just doing one-on-one -on -one coaching calls, I can't get to that many people. So the course that is called How to Be a B2B Marketer, because I recognize it's yeah. not just about how do I write objectives? How do I create a plan? It's how to be a B2B marketer, like, how do you deal with the corporate crap? How do you deal with being attacked? How do you deal with being not listened to? How do you deal with anxiety, you know, and work-life balance and finding out what it is you want to do? The cohorts are all planned. I just have to film it and it's like get into that with young kids. That's what's next. Maybe a couple of digital products as well so that if people are not ready for that big course, which will be an investment for them, maybe they just want to have a template pack or a mini course how do I achieve this mission? How do I make marketers feel better at work? And, you know, what makes me happy is when I get a message from someone who will never pay me a penny. They're just going, your podcast changed my life. I feel better at work. I don't feel anxious or upset at work anymore. That's, that's what I'm doing it for. 
then that means it doesn't matter how successful you are. If I only sell 10 of the courses, it's like, well, I've helped 10 people toward that mission, I guess. I love that mission. And the final question is, for those that are, you know, perhaps five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years into their career. If you go, okay, I've been in marketing for five years and I want to consult on strategy, You are, go- and it happened to me, you are going to be shown up and you're going to feel out of your comfort zone more often. Whereas if for five years you've been consistently running email marketing campaigns and posting on social media, why not consult small businesses on here's the tools you need to use. Here's how to find a good copywriter. Do the things that if some, I always say this, if you were in a room with 500 people and you're on the stage talking about a topic, you know, there's nothing they could throw at you that would phase you. That's what I think people should consult on. And then yes, grow your knowledge and up your game on what you're consulting on, but don't go too far out of your main comfort area and don't let clients push you into zones that you're not in. This is something I say to B2B marketers all the time. It is okay to say to someone, a leader, I haven't delivered a data strategy for a CRM system before, so we are going to need to bring in an outsourced consultant. How can they tell you off if you've never done that? It's like, I haven't done it before, so I'm not advising on that. And they'll respect you for it. I think 10 years is a really nice, sweet spot where it's like you've really done the grafting. Then again, there are people younger than me, Gen Z, who are literally like two years in corporate and now I'm literally, but very, very successful with it. Sophie Miller, pretty little marketer. She's unbelievable. She <laughs> yeah. has an audience of hundreds yeah. of thousands. She has worked for huge brands. She's an example of a younger marketer than me who's gone, I don't want to work for 10 years in a corporate. I'm going to work for myself and I'm going to learn and I'm going to take this to businesses. So definitely figuring out what is your area of expertise. Wonderful advice. Well, let's leave it there on that amazing parting point. Thanks, Chris.